Hello and welcome to In the Art Scene podcast, a place where creatives share their stories. My name is Galina Marquez and I have another cool story prepared for you today. So let's get to it. Hello everybody and welcome back to In the Art Scene podcast. And I am talking today to Elizabeth Rorba, uh, which is for what I can see is an amazing painter, but sort of a mystery for me because we have just literally have just met online about a week ago. Uh, and Elizabeth is, I went through your website and I, I actually, I loved your uh, blog and um, I love everything I saw. But when you contacted me, you said that there's something else that stood out to you in one of the previous episodes of the podcast that relates to your story which was not on your website and i think and i think this is what we're going to talk about today okay why wouldn't we why wouldn't we start with you introducing yourself sure um happy to be here thanks for the discussion this morning my pleasure. Um, my name is elizabeth rohrbach i'm a self-taught artist a lifelong artist pretty much um, but the thing that stood out that we were discussing was the the varied path that I've had to becoming a quote-unquote full-time artist. Most of my adult life was not spent doing art. I had a fairly long career in the corporate world doing research and development. Um, I've also worked for several different art programs, either on the side or full-time. Um, but just a couple of years ago, started devoting my time fully to doing art for myself and working independently as an artist. So what struck me in the previous conversations that I've heard is we all seem to have this idealized version of, I want to be an artist. And we think there is a straight path to that. And I, I would argue that the majority of us that are working in art full-time have either previously had careers or still do have a side career that supports that um, that art vision or that art journey until it can become fully what we want it to be. And I, I was compelled to talk to you about that because I think so many either new artists or young artists coming into the field now have this vision that it's just going to be a straight line and it's anything but it looks more like a knotted ball of yarn most of the time I think yeah I I barely can remember anyone I have had on the podcast so far who had like a, a really straight line from you know art school right into the studio work yeah, pretty much everyone is coming from a very different backgrounds. And even uh, some people who are going to the art school, they then are feeling a little bit lost in the world. And uh, because from what I, I, I haven't, I haven't gone to art school, so I, I can't say anything, but it seems like in the art school, they don't really give you uh, much direction on how to be an entrepreneur as an artist, because this is what it is. Nowadays, you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to figure out how to run a little business. And that involves a lot of different things aside of art and then absolutely not related to art. And, and that's difficult to 
learn and it's difficult to comprehend for a lot of people who did not anticipate to 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 do that. So uh, tell us a little bit about your career in R&D. So how did you start in, uh, and yes, and then how did you learn uh, to be an artist, you're self-taught, and what it was for you to combine art as a hobby or a creative outlet while you were still in the corporate world? Right. So I, as I mentioned before, I've practiced art in some form my entire life, um, all the way back to when I was a little girl. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was encouraged in practicing art, but I was surrounded by creative people. So my mother was always sewing or crocheting or knitting something. We had a large family, so she helped provide clothing items that way. Um, I had another relative that enjoyed anything crafty, cross-stitch, um, any kind of stitching and piecemeal, you know, collage, things like that. So very often, some of those activities that I would do as a child related to art, but I truly love to color that, you know, opening up that 64 box of crayons <laughs> was as simple as that sounds. That was just magical to me as a little girl. So I was always interested in it. And in terms of my learning, um, this is going to sound very cliche, but Bob Ross on TV. So when I was a little girl, we had three TV channels, four if you count PBS, and that's what I would watch on Saturday afternoons. I would get out a little notebook, follow along, and I would sketch out what he was painting. I would take notes about the colors and everything because we didn't have a VCR. This is way back. <laughs> I mean, most most young people today have no concept of what that would be like, that you couldn't capture that to learn from. But I would capture it as, as I would watch it, and then I would go into my bedroom, and I had an easel and a very basic set of paints, and I would recreate what he had painted. Um, so that was just, I was enthralled with that. I couldn't wait for Saturdays to do that. And that was probably the majority of how I learned that in reading books. Obviously, back then, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have the internet to look things up. So oh, yeah, we're um, I loved pouring. <laughs> I loved pouring through art books. And it, it, it truly is a different concept. But in learning that way, I think while today it's, it's much quicker to go and look at a YouTube video and understand a concept, back then having to read it and slowing it down, you absorbed it a little bit more maybe. Um, but for the longest time, that's how I would practice art. So when I went to um, all the way through high school, we were encouraged to be academic. I got good grades. Um, and when I was considering college, I did consider studying art. And my father discouraged me from that. And I know a lot of people have had that happen. You know, what, what's the worst parent's nightmare is that your child wants to go study art, right? Um, but he didn't do it in such a negative way. I never felt like 
oh, I'm mortally wounded. This has injured my soul. My father doesn't, you know, think I'm good enough. I wasn't. I truly wasn't good enough at that time to to put that much time and money into art school. Um, perhaps I would have blossomed in art school. I don't know. But he encouraged me to study something more practical. And I did. And I'm forever grateful because in doing that, I studied science and I was I was halfway good at science and math. <laughs> I did okay. Um, so it wasn't so difficult for me to pursue that path. But in doing that, I it resulted in me having a job in a, a really good company doing research and development. And the reason I'm so grateful is because I ultimately became a single mom. So had I pursued that art path at that time, I don't know that I would have been able to support me and my kids when I needed to. So, you know, as, as things go on, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm older than a lot of the young artists that listen to your, your podcast, but there is with age comes wisdom. And looking back, I can see how right my father was. And I'm grateful for that. And in time, it still all works out. You know, if it's something that you truly want to pursue, it will come. Well, at first, I want to make a remark. You look incredibly young. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. When I when I read in your short bio uh, on your website that you're spending time uh, with your grandchildren, I was like, no way. She looks almost like a teenager. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> There's no way. But yeah, it is it is interesting uh, that perspective that you are describing. Well, first of all, yeah, I, I want to mention that Bob Ross is amazing, but I have discovered Bob Ross like a couple of years ago. Well, obviously, I did not grow up in the states, but uh, right. it's it's it also seems like Bob Ross is coming back in a way, and a lot of young people who are interested in art are kind of a getting back to uh, his teachings, and and he's he's truly an amazing uh, painter, and I, I like his biography was really striking for me. Uh, yeah, it, have you it, have it, you watched the documentary? I have. Yeah. I have. Yeah, it's it's somewhat tragic. It's uh, yeah, it, but, that part is tragic. But the the magical part, I mean, I obviously didn't know any of that when I was watching him as a young girl. But the soothing nature and the calm instruction, it just drew everyone in, and that's how they became so enthralled with him. And he gave you, he 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 made you believe you could do it. And you could. Yeah, he's, and got, so when he's got that thing. Yeah, he does have a he did have a talent with that. So I was, you know, I was fortunate that I could even watch that because, again, when I was, you know, at that age, that was the only option was television. We didn't have other video tutorials. And I grew up in a really small farm town in Indiana. We did have art classes at my high school, but I couldn't fit them in the way our curriculum was structured. If you wanted to pursue honors in science and math, it just didn't fit into the schedule. So I didn't have any other opportunity to take any art classes. So but, it was you, nice to be able to watch it every Saturday afternoon. But you were very dedicated 
taking classes from Rob Ross on the Saturday afternoon and taking That's your right. notes. And because to me, it, it, uh, yeah, we are very spoiled with, you know, having YouTube right now. And, uh, and even back when I was in school, when internet was not that big of a thing, I don't think I would imagine myself watching something and, and taking very, very uh, detailed notes and then go and try to recreate it based on my own notes because, well, I, I know that my notes probably would make any sense to me an hour <laughs> later. <laughs> and maybe I'm not that kind of a person, but I I just admire your dedication from a very early age to to learn as much as you can and to take as much as you can out of what was accept, uh, accessible to you. Well, but it's it's not hard when it's something you want to do, right? I mean, there was, um, you can define that in a couple of different ways. You know, if, if I wanted to become a NASA engineer, I think I could do it as long as I studied hard enough. And that's what makes the difference with so many people. It's just persistence, truly. Um, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a fantastic artist, but I really don't care what other people think because I want to do it so badly. I'm just going to keep painting. So. All right. Well, my next question then, uh, now, not only you are a full-time artist, you actually have your own curriculum on what was that platform? The uh, uh, Skillshare. On Skillshare. On Skillshare. Mm -hmm. That is something really amazing. So tell, tell me a little bit, how, how did you get to the conclusion of your corporate career and how did you become uh, a full-time artist and an educator? Uh, okay, it's a little bit long. I'll try to keep it short. Um, we have time. During, <laughs> during my corporate career, I... I always had some side art activity. So for a, a while, I was an instructor with Young Rembrandts, which is an art program for children. Um, I would sometimes teach privately, students come to the house, that kind of thing. Um, but there was a point where I just felt, I can't explain it any other way, but my role here in the corporate world is done. I, I can't do any more. And I was really feeling fully drawn to something else. I knew there was some other place I was supposed to be. And I'm a Christian, so I prayed a lot during that time. It was, And it was several years, actually, that I was kind of struggling with that. But I found um, online, I found a program nearby that was an art program for people living with dementia. And at the time, my father was living with Alzheimer's. So I was, I was sort of Googling, researching what activities to do with my father because my sister did a lot of caregiving for him as well. And she was incorporating a lot of creative art um, influences. So music and dance when he could. And it, it really truly made a difference. I thought it, it prolonged his cognitive awareness when you were in an activity like that, he was truly with you. Um, so I was researching art because I'm a painter and I found this program. It's called Opening Minds Through Art and it's run through the Scripps Gerontology Center at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. 
And um, I started volunteering with them with the intent to take that program to my father's long-term care facility. And I ultimately left my job at Procter & Gamble in research and development to go and become the assistant director at Opening Minds Through Art. So I stayed there for seven or eight years. And in that time, uh, we really grew that program across the United States and internationally, but also for my my interest, I was able to bring that to my father for a couple of years. So um, it was very touching to have, I was able to train two of my siblings to work with him. And that's the premise of the program. Someone sits with the person with dementia, just as a guide, as a cheerleader and encourager, and to make sure that they're safe, obviously. But that gave two of my siblings the opportunity to spend that time with him while I led the program for a group of people with them. Um, so that was that was very meaningful. And as I worked through all of that process, um, he did pass towards the end of my time there. And it just felt like the right time for me to do this on my own. I just felt like I've learned project management skills through my corporate life. I've learned how to teach working with college students and working with older adults. Um, I've learned program management in terms of running an art program. How do we keep this going? So it just felt like the right time. And at the end of 2019, I started doing my art full time. So that's where I'm at today. And as, as I started doing that, I found I wanted to teach, but I didn't have the technical skills of creating an entire workshop. I, I was building my website, learning all of that kind of thing. I wouldn't say I'm the techiest person, but I've, <laughs> through trial and error, I figured it out. And when I saw uh, Skillshare is a learning platform that will host the classes that you create. So I didn't have to deal with all of that back end. What if the server goes down kind of issues? I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. So a lot of my progress has been with that mindset. I'll give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Um, and I really enjoy teaching that way because I have you know, people that follow me on Instagram find that I am teaching online classes it's continual. It's access to them at any time. There's not a, an enrollment period or anything. And they take care of all the technical issues. So <laughs> it's really enjoyable. Um, I have another class that I'm in the planning stages for right now that I want to hopefully launch in the next month or two. Um, but they're primarily watercolor classes. And um, I do paint in watercolor and oil. I've had a number of requests to do an oil painting class. I think that's probably slated for next year. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Wow. Well, first of all, what an amazing and, and really emotional story about your father. It's, yeah. Well, first of all, it sounds like you did have kind of a, a, a double career while you were still working at Procter & Gamble. You were still teaching art. So you you were half artist, half R&D manager, right? 
so it's not like there was something new for you and, and you completely pivoted. Uh, and it does sound like your time in the corporate world was extremely beneficial for you when you decided to uh, pursue art full time and create this amazing program. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, how did it feel? Because it, it, it does sound like it was a true calling and and a, a very, even, even like for the short period of time, a few years, but it was a very, very, um, it sounds like it's a, like real purpose when you when you went to create that program and when you worked with your father and other um, elder adults. Uh, so how did that feel for you? Yeah, it, it was almost a full circle moment, really. I, you know, as I reflected back and I, I mentioned earlier that my father was the one that encouraged me not to go to art school. <laughs> and um, again, I, I didn't feel tragically wounded when he said that. I respected his opinion. And I followed his guidance and I was really glad I did. But in the end, it it was um, almost magical to me that I was able to help him through the through living with dementia and help him with art because it was something that he he was a Navy man. He owned a farm very much of. Uh, physical, masculine. I don't know that he ever went to an art museum. He didn't color with me when I was a child. You know, he he did like to see the art that I made and he would critique it, <laughs> um, but not really interested in art. And yet in the process of him living with dementia, art was something that brought him, I wouldn't say healing, obviously, because there is no cure for Alzheimer's, but it, it did bring him a lot of solace. And working with the creative arts, I think in general, just has the ability to heal people in different ways. I mean, I, I, tr I was thinking about this the other day. I can't come up with any other healthier addiction to have than practicing art. It's, it's purely beneficial in every aspect in terms of, you know, artists in making the art through the process, they experience mindfulness and calm and healing typically while they're making it. Once the art is made, those that experience it, see the beauty of it, um, and, and even if it's something that's very emotional or the art was created reflecting a tragedy or something, other people can relate to it and connect with it and find belonging and community somehow. Art connects everyone in some way. Just look back a year ago during the pandemic. What did everyone turn to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Either art dancing, yoga, some kind of mindfulness practice. They had a little bit of time or space in their day at home when everyone was stuck and they spent it doing arts and crafts with their kids. Or um, there was a man that was doing dance classes online and thousands of people were joining in. 
So there's obviously an attraction there. And I think it's something that our, our soul just needs. We need to be creative in some way. And I believe everyone is creative in some way. Even the scientists, I, I worked with some brilliant people at Procter & Gamble, and so many of them had a creative outlet. They were teaching pottery or doing wood burning, or many of them were painters. So there's there's something about that, even if you work or are you know bent technically to that kind of logical um, logical profession, there's still something that needs to be released creatively in everyone. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's really uh, it's really heartwarming to hear that art at the end uh, was that uh, connecting element for your father, for you and for your siblings. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. Let's take a short coffee break. Producing this podcast sure takes a lot of energy. Would you buy me a coffee so I can continue doing it? I would really appreciate it. The link is in the show notes and on our website, intheartscene.com. Thanks for supporting our show. My next question is actually to, to talk about a little bit um, about your class that already exists on Skillshare. I, I did not check it out. I will. Absolutely. Uh, so maybe does it relate to uh, that program? Does it relate to healing arts or is it just a technical watercolor? It, actually, I have several on Skillshare okay. um, and they are, they are all watercolor. It doesn't relate to working jointly with anyone else. It's just instructional watercolor. Um, but I think it's fun because when you are, even though it's not live, I don't have anyone currently watching while I'm teaching that they're viewing a pre-recorded video but I still feel like I can talk to them because I paint and I, I instruct while I'm painting. I know a lot of artists will paint something and then do a voiceover so that it can kind of correct. If you made a mistake or if something happened, you know, they can edit that out. I really like the, the authenticity of you're seeing what I'm painting right now. Now, you know, Obviously, if, if it was a total flop, everyone does that. Everyone starts over. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's what I want to communicate, really. I mean, with art, it's just, to me, it's such a gift. And it's, I don't mean that in terms of, I have this talent. That's not what I mean. It's a gift to me that was given to me to be able to practice and it's so freeing. It's I've, I know I've spoken about art as my best friend. It's something I can turn to when I'm, I mean, obviously through grieving my father, that was something that really occupied my time. But um, when my girls went away to college, when my son went to boot camp, I was in my studio every day. And that's, that was a way for me to process all of those feelings. Um, but it's something that everyone can practice. 
And it's in the practice that you find the enjoyment. So while I'm painting during those classes, I try to interject some of those notions about it, it's not a mistake, it's you're painting. You know, if a concert pianist sits down every day to practice as they do, they don't come away from every day with a recording that they're gonna sell. And yet there's this perception with artists that every time I sit down at an easel, I'm gonna create something that someone is gonna be clamoring to buy. That's so far from the truth and that's so far from what we should focus on. If, if you can let go of all of that and paint for the pleasure, it enriches your life so much more. And in letting go, people feel that energy and then they want that painting. It's every time that I've done that, it happens. I think no one's going to like this or I'm just I'm just going to sit down and play and I'll create a whole series of paintings. Those are the ones that sell. And it, it tells me there's something in that energy that I'm putting into those paintings. That's what's attracting people. That so is hopefully so true. they enjoy looking at it as well. But it's truly, you know, what the feelings that I've transferred and really the love that I've put into it. That's what people want. That is so true. That is so true. And what you said about uh, uh, especially young artists and especially nowadays. And then we, we grew up in uh, hustle culture, right? So we were kind of, we, we brought up thinking that whatever you do, you have to be perfectionist. You have to, you know, strive for something and everything has to have some sort of a monetary purpose. Otherwise it's not, you know, a real job or it's not, uh, well, yeah, it's not the, a, a real career is just like a hobby and and even if it's hobby then I mean, there's nothing wrong with that but yes we do have that nudging voice somewhere in the back of our heads that if you if you go to the studio you have to be productive and and that means that you have to produce something that will be almost like a product right and uh it is amazing how many people for a long 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 time dealing with the imposter syndrome because of that because they just don't know how to let go. And I think in the creative process for a lot of people, not even perfecting a, a technique or skills or learning the new medium, that is the hardest part to let go and just enjoy. You're so and right about to that. to know that you're not going to be perfect just when you start. I mean, if, you know, if my goal is to run a marathon, look at how many days, months you put into training for one race. So if, you know, flip that to art terms, if you painted for that same number of hours before you ever tried to make something that you're going to sell, I'm sure you would be much better at it. But the, too often artists feel like, and I, you know, I was guilty of this for a long time. And sometimes I can fall into that trap where I've only got an hour today. I want to sit down and paint and I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be a finished product when I'm, when I'm done. And it seldom is the case. And again, it's just because I've been doing this most of my life that there are some days you go, ah, 
you can use that for something else. You can paint over it. You can cut it up and turn it into collage material. You can weave another painting together. It's not wasted. And that's what I think we need to switch the mindset. So all of the hours that you've put in, even if that painting doesn't sell for, you know, the, the amount that you want, it's not just a, a huge success, it's still valuable. You wouldn't disregard the time that you put into practicing it. And that's one thing. Um, before I even started those Skillshare classes, there were a couple of people that contacted me over social media just asking, would you just paint for me, paint with me for a little bit on Zoom or over FaceTime or something? They were stuck on a certain technique or whatever. And I remember one of the students, we had a mantra that it's all just practice. So if you can sit down every day with that mindset, it takes such a weight off and you don't feel the, the tension. You know, this is supposed to be an enjoyable time. Don't turn it into something that is achievement driven. Just enjoy it and it will happen. I like the mantra. Uh and I, and I like and I like the other one that you said before uh, that this is the healthiest addiction uh, that can be. It, it that should so be on true. a T-shirt, right? Yes. <laughs> well, in fact, in fact, I actually just launched the uh, um, a, a shop on in the art scene uh, website. So, and I am thinking about uh, my idea was actually to collect the uh, quotes from from the people who are coming as guests on the show and put them on t-shirts. So yay. Yay. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll give you credit. There will be a little quotation. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You know, in terms of what people can spend their time being focused on, there are so many unhealthy options <laughs> yes, today exactly. for kids, for adults. And if you can find one that is healthy, I mean, are art supplies expensive? They can be, but they don't have to be. You can work with just a pencil and a piece of paper and it can occupy hours of time. So in terms of a healthy addiction, I think I win, <laughs> you know, in terms of how I've spent my time over the years. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, you you might be interested, actually, if, if you haven't heard already. Uh, sometime in the first season, I had a couple of people. Uh, one is the um, OBGYN surgeon who is painting uh, oil and, and the way he is describing his creative process. That was really interesting because that's that's a totally different perspective, like 180 degrees from what I have heard um, from other people. And I, uh, I have a few more guests in mind that I want to bring, uh, with the similar kind of, uh, career shift. So I, I did spoke with a woman in Sweden who used to be a, a microbiologist. And then now she is pretty accomplished, uh, um, abstract artist. And she shows in uh, Madrid and uh, like all over Europe. She's amazing. pretty cool. And I know personally a couple of lawyers who are amazing artists. To me, like I, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even comprehend how can you, uh, like lawyers 
are so much into their left brain. So a surgeon actually, right? But yet you have this ability to create an amazing piece of art. So whether there's some special connection between two hemispheres or those people have a little switch to go from one to the other in an instant. So that it is, yeah, it is really interesting. Uh, and, and you mentioned that, that uh, you, you have known a lot of people in the, uh, uh, in the research industry and Procter yeah. & Gamble who are scientists who are doing the same, same kind of thing. So, and that, that's what's so amazing, right? Because every artist has um, such a unique story that yeah. is only theirs. And there are infinite possibilities of how they can create art. If you took every artist that you've had on this podcast and put us in, you know, little tunnels where we couldn't see each other and asked us to create some drawing or painting of the same thing, they would all be completely different, right? In terms of the the number of combinations of the media that they're using and the paper that they're using or canvas. There are so many unique ways to create something that is yours. It's, it's just magical to me that why, and, and people will critique themselves and say, well, I want to paint like that. I don't teach my students to paint like me. I teach them, hopefully, how to paint because they will put their own unique spin on it. And that's what's going to make it beautiful. That's what's going to make them feel good and give them the same kind of freedom and release and peace that I feel when I paint. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you because, you know, technique is uh, in at the end of the day, it's just a tool, right? The mm-hmm. art is the combination of all the life experiences of like all the days we have lived in this in this world so far. And that's what's right. coming so out when, of you. When yeah. people say, you know, how long did it take you to make that? I always say 50 years because exactly every minute that I've put into practicing has resulted in this, whether it took me five minutes, five hours or five weeks. Ultimately, it's been 50 years because I've brought everything of myself to that piece. Yeah, I wanted to read actually something from your website that I found quite fascinating. It, it was on one of your blog posts from January uh, January of last year, January 29, 2021. And there's that little paragraph that says, God's design is that everyone has a unique fingerprint even twins, of which you are one, as I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Two babies coming from the same biological parents and even sharing a womb will be completely and uniquely their own person. And I think in, in this in this sentence you just uh, uh, yeah, you just summarize everything that we were talking about so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that all our experiences are so unique. And that uh, global creation is absolutely infinite. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, creativity is our, our birthright. Again, I'm a Christian. I believe God created us and he created us in his image. 
So if he's a creator, there's some creator piece in me. And that could be, you know, all of my brothers are engineers. They create systems of things that work, most of which I don't understand, but they're creating something. Every human creates something. Mine just happens to be two-dimensional artwork, you know? So um, it is really interesting too, because I, I do have a twin brother. And when we were younger, he used to draw quite a bit. He was very into comic books. And he was an amazing sketch artist when we were in high school. And again, the only difference between us is he just didn't pursue that. I kept pursuing painting. So I'm saying that um, really with the intent that I want to encourage other artists, whether you're just starting or whether you've been at it for a while, it truly is just about persistence. So if you can let go of being of, of that angst of I haven't achieved this, whatever this is, if you're an artist, you never will. This is a journey. This is why it's called practice. Just keep practicing every day and enjoy it. And that's where the peace and the freedom comes from for me. I know a lot of, as we were talking before, a lot of the younger artists think that they should be able to, you know, they see it on social media. The ones that you're seeing, I think, are a small percentage of the whole population of artists that are practicing. And there are way more artists that are practicing making a meaningful career out of it and still able to support themselves compared to the ones that you see online that are making a million dollars in their art. If money is your object, there's probably an easier way to get there than art. (laughs) Yes, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, in the first season of of the podcast, we used to ask that question, uh, uh, how do how to enjoy being an artist and how to succeed as an artist? And I dropped that when I realized that I'm getting the same kind of answer over and over again. Because for uh, for artists, mostly success and enjoyment is the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's like that's the ultimate goal to to enjoy your practice as an artist right. to create a meaningful work even if it means something only to you. And I've heard a number of actually podcasters that had studied um, law and became Mm -hmm. attorneys. Some of them extremely successful on Wall Street, making a lot of money that were so miserable, they considered taking their own lives. So is money really your ultimate goal? Great question. You know, they they put their so many years into law school and then so many years trying to climb the ladder at the firm. Now I do, I have friends that are attorneys that absolutely love their job. That's great. But that's the difference. They're, They're doing some of what they love. And the flip side of that though, is we've had some discussions lately with my friends about following your passion I don't fully adhere to that either because 
again, in my situation, had I followed just my passion, which was art, I wouldn't have been able to care for my children when I needed to. So um, I heard recently Mike Rowe talk about this, and he has a quote hanging in his office that says, don't follow your passion, but always take it with you. So there may be a period of time when you do have to work some other job, when you're supporting yourself in a different way, but you can still practice art and it can still be meaningful and it can still be valuable. And you can begin to grow that as a business if you want to, or it can just be practicing art. And there's just as much beauty in that as there is if you sell it. Well, I can tell you that this has been one of the most inspirational conversations I have lately had. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank it's you. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming. And thank you for, I, I'm so glad that uh, you reached out to me uh, because I, I am trying to be very selective of uh, who I am bringing on the podcast. And sometimes I, I do stalk artists for a while and see what they're doing and learn about their stories before I reach out. And sometimes I just go with the intuition and I can tell you that so far, my intuition has never disappointed me. And this is one of those moments. I, I am really glad that uh, we have found each other, that you found the podcast and uh, that I believe it was Jenny Jackal's story that resonated with you. So thank it you, was. Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> I follow her too. And and I love the conversations that you're having. It, For lack of a better way of saying it, it feels like you're talking to real people. I am. As opposed to so many po other art podcasts, they're trying to find the new and shiny and, you know, you don't necessarily have had to publish a book to have a successful art career. You don't have to be in 15 galleries to have a successful art career. And I think encouraging young artists in that way so that they know there's a million different ways you can be successful with art. Do what feels right to you and that doesn't feel... Um, I've, I've been lately thinking about, I'm going to do what feels easy. And by that, that I don't mean that I'm not going to work at it, but there are some projects that come along and you feel this tightness in your chest and your, your face immediately starts cringing. I, I, like you, I'm using my intuition. I'm going to follow the work that feels easy. And then I'm going to work really hard at that. And it just seems so much better lately. Well, it sounds like a great advice to someone who wants to pursue pretty much anything including yeah. art. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We still have a few minutes uh, before our hour ends. Uh, if you had something in mind when we started this conversation that you wanted to make sure that you want to say on the podcast, uh, that's the time to do that. I would just encourage literally everyone to have some form of creative outlet I obviously am, I'm more focused on visual arts, but whether that's writing and poetry or music or dance, I just feel like if, if the population had a way to express themselves, whatever they're feeling in that day, 
look at Mr. Rogers and he worked with children in playing the piano. And some days he felt angry and it sounded like this. And he would, if you Mm -hmm. saw the movie, you know, he would pound on the piano. Wouldn't that be a much better way to release our emotions than some of the obvious vitriol and anger and everything that you're seeing today? Finding a way to express yourself that is helpful to you and not harmful to anyone else. (laughs) I think that's what art gives us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you're right, because, you know, some negative emotions or the, let's say, difficult emotions that we often perceive as negative emotions, they are still legit emotions. And there are a lot of people who can connect to those emotions as long as it doesn't it doesn't hurt anyone, right? And I think the art is the best way of doing it. Yeah. Connecting with other people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how can people find you online? I am most active on Instagram and you can find me at Elizabeth Ann Rohrbaugh. And that's my website as well, elizabethannrohrbaugh.com. And I'm also on Skillshare. So I hope to see some of the folks over there, if you do follow me, say hi and let me know that you found me here and we'll connect back and I'll share that with you as well. All great. And uh, for everybody, of course, we're going to have show notes in the adjacent blog post with all the links to uh, how to find Elizabeth uh, to her classes on Skillshare and look for the t-shirts with Elizabeth's quotes. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to buy the first one. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> Especially if you want to support the show, if you like this conversation and was as inspired as me today talking with Elizabeth, you gotta, you got to buy a t-shirt. All righty. Uh, thank you so much for being with me today. It was an amazing conversation, truly. It, it made my day. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here. Right, and I will see you next time in the art scene. It has been another episode of In the Art Scene podcast. If you liked today's conversation, please give us a good review on Apple and go listen to other great stories. Check out our website intheartscene.com or follow us on Instagram at intheartscene for more content. If you are a creative and you want to share your story, shoot us a message from the website or DM us on Instagram. Look forward to seeing you next time in the art scene.